Hey everybody, it's Adam, live and in person for you. Hey everybody, it's Adam, wonder who he'll interview, call me Adam.com. Hey everyone, I am back in the closet where I conduct all of my podcast and video interviews. And today I am so excited to be talking with Andrew Keenan Bulger, who has been seen on Broadway in Tuck Everlasting, Newsies, and Mary Poppins. His television audiences have watched him on such shows as The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, HBO's Looking, and in addition to acting, Andrew is a director, author, and filmmaker. He can currently be seen back on stage in New York City in the hilarious off-Broadway farce Dracula, A Comedy of Terrors. And for those of you who don't know me, my name is Adam Rothenberg, and for the past 14 years, I have been going behind the scenes with celebrities from the world of film, television, theater, and music. With over 1,500 interviews under my belt, I have been getting my guests to pull back the curtain on their lives and careers. So without further ado, please welcome Andrew Keenan Bolger. Hi, Andrew. Hi, sweet Adam. It's really nice to be chatting with you again. Uh, one of my favorite shows. Oh, thank you. It's so great to catch up with you. And I was, as I was just telling you before we started, I just saw you in Dracula, A Comedy of Terrors on Saturday night, and it was so funny. You are so great in the show. Yeah, thank you. It's, it is a good time at the theater. It really is. <laughs> I, I haven't laughed for 90 minutes straight in a long time. So this was such a delight to see and I mean the whole cast you work together so well it's really such an ensemble show so I have to start off by asking you of course what made you want to audition for Dracula a comedy of terrors sure um so I think my first introduction to it was just the fact that it's written by uh someone whom I'm a friends with and a huge fan of Steve Rosen um and Gordon Greenberg who is the director and the co-writer is someone who I knew a little bit less, but is someone I've always admired. Um, so their two twisted, hilarious minds is absolutely what brought me to this project. And then as soon as I read the script, I'm like, oh man, this this is going to be a lot of work if I get this job, just because it really is its mile-a-minute comedy. Every actor plays um, like many different characters. There's like tons and tons of quick changes switching between characters sometimes within the same scene. Um, but it, it felt like a good challenge. And honestly, I have not been on the stage in a little bit, so it felt like a, a fun return to stage, kind of some theatrical skydiving right back <laughs> into Times Square. I love that analogy of skydiving. It is definitely, <laughs> it's definitely like a mile a minute show. There is so much happening. And this is, I feel like it is a great return to the stage. Tell us a little bit of what your audition process was like for the show. Yeah, so um, I think the first thing I did was I just made a self-tape, and it was, I think, playing like four of the seven or eight characters that I play, um, and then they called me in for like a kind of chemistry read with James Daly, who uh, is our Dracula, and he had played the part in the previous version that they did out of town in Montreal, and so I did a chemistry read with him. Uh, they brought in Jordan, who was also auditioning to play Lucy and we we got to read together um it was just really nice also like I it, it's one of those nice things where sometimes you go into an audition setting and you kind of know the people in the room 
And I, I just, I don't remember ever being nervous. I just, they, they set up a, a process that made me feel like I could just be an idiot for however long I was in there and take some big risks with a comedy and be real big and, uh, yeah, just be a total goofball. Uh, so it was real fun and, and played, I think in the final callback, I played every single character, um, that I was going to end up playing in the show. Wow, that's amazing. And I guess clearly the chemistry between the two of you worked out because both of you are doing the show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, we were each other's good luck charm. <laughs> yes, definitely. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. I want to tell you a personal behind the curtain story that I may not have fully shared here. For the past two years, I have been part of an amazing community built for and by entrepreneurs called My Sexy Business. We have a wonderful weekly live streaming show called GME. Good morning, entrepreneurs. As an associate producer and roving reporter, I can easily say this show is for you, the entrepreneur who is in search of community and getting your questions answered. Our co-hosts and roving reporters share life experiences that will hopefully make you feel less alone on your entrepreneurial journey. We'd love for you to join us every Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at MySexyBusiness.com. And now we're back. As you mentioned, you do play multiple characters within the show. And... And then sometimes going between character, you literally have just a few moments to get into that next character. So outside of your costume change, how do you jump from character to character? How do you get in that mindset so quickly? Usually whenever I'm starting rehearsal for a show, I will familiarize myself with the script, but I will never memorize it before. I, I feel like I learn the best when I'm on my feet. With this show, I came to the first rehearsal almost completely memorized. And it was really because of that. Uh, there are times when I'm changing accents, like three different accents in one scene because I'm playing three different characters. And my brain could not process this unless I really had internalized this dialogue. So I think I showed up honestly more prepared for this process than I had for really any show, which is not to say that I figured it out. In my first rehearsal, it took me so long. And honestly, with comedy, I don't think I really had my skis under my feet until we had an audience and I could see what kind of stuff was landing, what, how I needed to pace certain things. Um, but yeah, it was it was a little bit more homework that I'm used to doing. <laughs> and I do just have to ask. I, I mean, I certainly wore black and red because of the Dracula theme. I was totally that I feel like this was unintentional, but like totally meant to be. I'm also similarly uh, recording in my closet. So I love it. I love <laughs> it. Sticking with the playing multiple characters, have you forgotten which character you're going to at any point in the show? And if you had any mishaps yet with lines? Yes. A hundred percent. Almost nightly sometimes. Um, yeah, there's one scene where I have two puppets and so I'm playing through different characters and there have been times when I've said the wrong puppet voice with the wrong hand. So suddenly the Scottish guy is speaking with like a British accent. Um, I think luckily with the spirit of the show, it is, it's very screwball. It's very goofy. The audience is absolutely a third character in any scene. 
anytime things have gone wrong or we've gotten a little bit derailed, I think the audience really feeds off of that. And we're we're lucky enough to be um our our cast is stacked with some pretty clever comedians where when things go wrong, it it becomes just a whole new bit to just mine. Um I think some of our best audience reactions are when set pieces break or someone messes up a line and the other one is like responding to it. It's it's really goofy. It's it's been a really flexible show, which is I think I mostly do musicals, which are they have to be a little bit that fit within the actual timing. And this has been much more flexible. Yes, we I, I know when I was there on Saturday, um, there's a scene where uh, I'm not going to say who because I don't want to ruin anything, but somebody is jumping out of the window and their wig got stuck on the window for oh, several minutes. And then, and then finally, they like, I didn't even see this. Honestly, it. so much happened. I don't even remember this. So. <laughs> oh my God. It was, it was terrific. But, but how you were just saying those kinds of moments, they do just play into it because I'm, I mean, yes, of course we knew the hair wasn't supposed to get stuck on the, but it was just that much funnier that it did. And then to see the reaction of the of the actors involved is like tenfold. So it's like it you are exactly right. It just plays into it and makes it even that much more fun to be at the show. I also think there have been eight million adaptations of vampire classics. Like I'm sure we could turn on the TV right now, and if you flip through enough things, you would find some adaptation of Dracula. But it I think what makes this so different is that it really is grounded in theater it's using some like theater magic a little bit of it, it, you are constantly reminded that you are watching a play with live actors and that not every performance is going to be the same um and i think it's a real reason to do the, the 10,000th adaptation of this story uh because we are getting to see it in a new medium definitely and it definitely is much more of a comedy than as opposed to say a horror <laughs> or a thriller you know there's certain oh, yeah. moments where you're like you're definitely suspense it's definitely suspenseful definitely more of a laugh out loud kind of show than a oh my god i'm leaving so scared i left with a huge <laughs> smile on my face i mean you guys as a whole ensemble is just fantastic i mean i know i said that earlier but i can't stop saying it because it's so well, true thank you it's really nice to hear thank you Ed. you're welcome you're welcome and i mean the the round and just to like one more thing about the about how amazing the show is i mean literally right when the show ended on saturday the audience was jumping to their feet with applause the standing ovations and you just see how happy you are all of you are on stage receiving that applause and it's I just can't say enough good things about the show, and I hope everybody listening and watching will get tickets to come see Dracula, Comedy of Terrors. So, you heard it here, folks. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. Speaking of comparing musicals to plays, what do you like performing? What do you like about performing in a play as opposed to a musical? I think first and foremost, it's just waking up in the morning and doing a little like lip buzz like is it there whereas i think anytime i have done a musical i am in a constant state of emergency with my voice that i'm going to wake up and it's not going to be there for the night performance um and honestly it's a lot of pressure doing a musical is hard people who do that eight shows a week you are an olympian 
with the amount of stamina and like how much you have to take care of your voice and your body. So I think luckily with the show, I if I've got a tickle or my allergies are acting up, I can still like push through it. Whereas in a musical, you're like, oh man, am I sidelined again? I will say the stamina I have really had to build up in the show. I thought like, oh, finally a play. Those are so nice. And my body is like really nonstop this entire show. I am like dripping buckets of sweat as I unzip my costumes at the end of the show in a way that I have not felt in most of the musicals I've done. Um, but I think that is just the kind of mile I'm in a pace. And like anytime I'm off stage, I can barely grab a drink of water before I'm either like ripping off my costume and throwing something else on or running across to like go pick up a prop. Um, yeah. But I do think that not having to worry about your voices, that is a, a big plus in the play column. Yes, yes. And it is definitely a very physically comedic show as well. Not only are you laughing from the dialogue, but it's a very physical comedic show. And there's a lot of physical comedy in it. And let's see how many more times I can say physical. But <laughs> um, it is like that. So I could understand why your body is also responding a little differently than maybe you were anticipating or you thought that it would yeah with that you do have a very demanding schedule outside of the show you do you have a lot going on so how do you let go of the day and get ready for the show when it's time to go to theater oh man i'm not sure i do yet i have not figured out my work-life balance at all granted we did open just two weeks ago but i am uh, i i am the type of person who does not do well with unstructured time so I really do try and fill my days with um, both traditional work, stuff that like I need to do to make money, but also work that I'm passionate about, whether or not that's working on writing a book or, um, I mean, right now my big task is I'm about to launch a companion podcast for Dracula that like gives a real behind the scenes look at the show and what goes into putting together a new play. Uh, so that is like taking a lot of my time, but I have not found that magical amount of time where I'm able to like totally relax before the show. It's mostly just like, let's keep drinking coffee. Let's see how many I can have in one day before my heart stops. Oh my gosh, that would be terrible. <laughs> yeah, so it's not too bad. No, <laughs> no. Um, but that's very exciting that you're working on a podcast to give a real behind the scenes look at the show and what it takes to put a show together. I think that's very exciting. Yeah, I've always been, um, I think, really right since I landed in New York. Um, it was right when the advent of social media happened. Like, YouTube was released, I think, my, like, junior year of college. And, like, Facebook and Twitter came out very shortly after. And immediately, I just saw it as a tool for, like, I, I wish I had this when I was growing up. And was so theater-obsessed, where I wanted to know everything about Broadway, but I lived in Michigan I would maybe, maybe get to like see the Tony Awards on TV once a year and then a couple appearances on like David Letterman. But other than that, I had no window into the world of Broadway. And as soon as social media arrived, I was like, oh, this is, this can be a way that I can share this with all of the fellow theater nerds out there. Uh, so right away, I was, uh, I did the national tour of Spelling Bee. Uh, in the early days of YouTube. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to document my experience backstage and traveling the country. And 
um, them through like Twitter and Instagram, I'm always sharing um, like kind of an inside look. Uh, I've I've always found that there's tremendous power in that and getting uh, getting audiences excited about a show even before they've seen it is is really powerful. Even like when I did Newsies, we saw that was just supposed to be a limited run, and because the audience and the fans were so almost rabid about getting everything possible about that show. It's what made it be like an open-ended run and like broke box office records for Disney. That's amazing. That's amazing. And you really did. I mean, you, you really took full advantage of YouTube in addition to those, I mean, submissions only you did. And yeah. I mean, that really like, I feel like everybody who was a theater lover was like deep diving into that show. And it was like binging before, people were really binging shows. Oh, thank you. I know we we were like one of the first streaming shows. We just didn't know what streaming was because it was before Netflix had made that pivot. And mm -hmm. I think everyone told us we were insane to want to create YouTube videos that were 22 minutes where people were like, no one will sit down in front of their laptop and watch a video for that long. I'm like, people will watch for three minutes. They'll watch cat videos. Um, and for whatever reason, we were like stupid enough to think that that was maybe a viable option. Um, it, I don't think it ever reached like the wide audience that we maybe would have hoped for, but the fact that it was so embraced by our community and so many people who I really looked up to wanted to be a part of it was like incredibly moving. Oh yeah, you had, a ro I mean, there was a roster of, of theater legends coming on the show. Oh, in a way that I would never be able to get today. Yeah. <laughs> sure, everyone would be like, yeah, what's this paying? Like, how big is my dressing room? We're like, uh, very little and non-existent. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. In going into a different direction than getting ready before the show, how, after a performance is done for the night, how do you get out of character and wind down? <laughs> I mean, I live in Brooklyn, so it's a, a nice long subway ride at home. I listen to some audiobooks, uh, lots of podcasts, um, and then usually just come home and watch like one episode of TV with my dog and my husband. Aww. Now we're gonna play with some of the themes in Dracula, so we're gonna we're gonna have a little fun. So okay, I hope you're ready. Um, what is something that you haven't taken a bite out of that you would still like to? Ooh, um, uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know what? I've never been on a TV show. I've done like little guest star roles and a couple recurring things, but I, I love the idea of like building a season of a TV show and plotting a character uh, for a number of episodes. I feel like that's, it sounds very challenging to me and something I've never done before. Um, I feel like that would be really fun. Oh, well, I hope that is coming for you because I need to, you would be great. <laughs> You're welcome. If you could suck anyone's blood, who would you choose? Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm listening for my husband and other, and I'm like, am I going to get in trouble? Oh, man. Uh, it's my, like, celebrity crush. Uh <laughs> I, I'm going to go with, uh, oh, you know what? Whoever is like the new crush on Great British Bake Off. I feel like every season, those producers know what they do. They give us gays like one 
person to have a crush over. And uh, there, without fail, there is a new boyfriend who I adopt <laughs> through my Netflix account. Um, I haven't started this new season, but I have seen some screen caps of <laughs> very cute, sweet, little, gentle baker boys. Oh my God, I love it. And they would, their blood would be so sweet because they're eating sugar all day. I was going to say, yes, yes. Just make sure that they bake you something before. (laughs) (laughs) Or after, because then, isn't it if you bite them, they become under your spell? Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, Mm -hmm. vampire rule. Yes, so you'll be having sweets for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Now, one of the characters you play is real estate agent Jonathan Harker. Mm -hmm. He has a lot of idiosyncrasies. So my question to you is what are some quirks that you have that your friends make fun of for? Oh man. Uh yeah. So so Jonathan is basically he's very meek. He's scared of his own shadow. He's basically the like polar opposite of Dracula. He sees someone like Dracula who is so like fearless and brazen and can't imagine how anyone could possibly be that way. Um I would say I am definitely a scaredy cat with certain things. I'm I am not great with bugs. Like if there is a bug in my house, I will be on my couch screaming and making my husband get rid of it. Either like kill it or if it's one of the good ones, figure out a way to like rescue it and get out of the house. But yeah, I I don't do well. A centipede that is mm. state of emergency. No, <laughs> can do it. Oh my God, I love it. I love it. I am the opposite. I am the one in the relationship who gets rid of the bugs. There's got to be one. There's got to be one in every relationship. Yeah, it does. (laughs) There does. Definitely. Well, one of my favorite moments in the show, and I hope this doesn't give too much away, is when Jonathan has what I'm calling his Sandy transformation, like Olivia Newton-John did in Grease. So have you had a moment like this in your life? And if so, what is something you have swapped out for leather? Oh, uh, something I've swapped out for leather. Um, I, when I was younger, I was like painfully skinny. Um, so much that like you could see my ribs when I would take off my shirt and I was super, super self-conscious about it. And I, I started like, I guess around the time, like when I was doing doozies, I started like really working out, um, and it is definitely something that, like, I really do enjoy. And I, I am definitely had my transformation from, like, teeny tiny twink to, I guess now I'm, I wouldn't even say twunk because I'm, I'm old now. I would say a twas. I think a twas. Is that what it's called now, twas? I, I believe so, yeah. <laughs> twink in retirement. <laughs> oh, my God. Then I don't even want to know what I am because <laughs> if you're a twink... <laughs> Then I am like, I'm like, I don't, I don't, I'm out to pasture then. If you're in retirement, I'm Not way out no, to pasture. I feel like we're a similar, we're the same age, aren't we? I don't I feel think. like I remember meeting you in New York when I was there, when we were both little baby gays. Yes, yes. Well, now I'm, I'm a, I'm, oh my God, I always forget how old I am. Okay, so in 20, 2025, I'll be 50. So this, I just turned 48. You look incredible. <laughs> and I can almost guarantee you are not 48. <laughs> I'm not 48, but I'm not far behind. <laughs> well, I will wait for you in the pasture for when you get there. <laughs> well, oh my God, this has gone by so fast. So I always 
end my interviews um, playing off the title of my podcast, Bearing It All with Call Me Adams. So <laughs> if you could bear it all and reveal something that you haven't talked about in a previous interview, what would you share with me today? I I feel like this is how we sort of started the conversation was like talking a lot about it online and bringing a lot of my life to social media. But I will be honest with you, it has it has not always been pleasant. I feel like one of the problems with opening up your life to an audience, it is like when you are seeking attention, you don't always get to pick what kind of attention you get. It can be negative as well. And I feel like a lot of people sort of assume that uh, people online are not real and don't really have any feelings. But I will say I'm very sensitive to the kind of stuff that um, is said about me online. And it's it's something that I have I've really had to change my relationship with the Internet and uh, make sure that there are certain things that I really just keep for myself and for my family and for my husband and my marriage. Uh, and in making sure that I'm not sharing with the world. Um, and that has been like an adjustment and a learning curve as I think I think it is not unique to me. I think we all are navigating the choppy waters of the internet and figuring out like what what makes us feel good about the internet and what makes us feel great about validation and what makes us feel bad about that and what can be addictive and what can feel line one year and the next year make you feel icky so i would say i i'll bear that truth with you adam i trust you <laughs> that is very very true and very wise and I, I mean i think like you said we we all have had to i mean there was a time where i had to probably stop reading some of my comments on my youtube videos because oh God, people yeah. i mean sometimes just said the most awful thing and yeah the good thing is like I do have the power to delete those comments and anybody out there, if you leave me a mean comment, I am going to delete As you should. Yeah. I feel like if you were anything like me, I know that there are tons of people who love, love, love your content and listen to every episode. And rarely do we give the positive feedback as much attention as we give the little bit of negative feedback like that is the stuff that will actually stick with me that I will choose to believe rather than the outpouring of love that other people will have for you yes. and that is that is practice to try and absorb as much of the good as possible and try to ignore the negative uh, because the people who love you are just gonna love you and are the people who you should actually trust exactly exactly and and i don't want people to think the the love of the comments and all the good comments go unnoticed i mean i do eat that up as well so mm. i i sink my teeth into it just like <laughs> i love it i love it well thank you so much for joining me today this has been such an exciting time to catch up with you and uh everybody watching listening you have to come see dracula a comedy of terrors at new world stages in new york it's city such a fun night you will laugh and you get to see andrew and this whole amazing terrific cast work really hard at doing comedy the right way thank you so much adam and it's always great chatting with you you too thank you see ya bye everybody He'll get the dirt and the scoop and the 
story for he happens to be in the know just ask anybody who's had um adam lives for the business of show call me adam.com